Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Sport of Kings podcast. On this pod, we discuss the late pick five at Fairgrounds this Saturday, March 26, 2022. This is show number 165, March 25th, 2022. I'm Scott Carson, founder of Sport of Kings, and I'm joined by my co-host, Hall of Fame handicapper, Chris Larmy. Chris, do you have Louisiana Derby fever? Uh, definitely. I mean... Now it's when it really starts getting interesting. Over the next, I think, three weeks, we'll get all the final major derby preps um, in the books, and we'll be able to start handicapping the derby. And this one really kicks off that that final round. And last year, it definitely produced some um, definite players going forward in the derby and, and even beyond. So maybe we'll see that happen again this year. It actually featured the winner of the Kentucky Derby. Yeah, the eventual winner, at least for now. We don't know. Who knows what will <laughs> happen in the courts. But you're right. At this moment in time, although at, at his influx, the Derby did come out of this race. Uh, didn't win the race, but it came out of the race. That'd be funny if uh, they actually, you know, something happened and they had to change the name back to Medina Spirit. Uh, it's not beyond the realm of possibility. Who knows? I mean, they're going to put it, it through the full court process, which could draw out for years. Uh, but right now, we don't know. All we know for now is Medina Spirit finished first, and Mandalone was pronounced the winner based on the DQ, at least for now. Um, it's under challenge in the courts. We'll see how, how it all plays out. Play in the Sport of Kings NHC Qualifier starting every month. Each month, the top 50 players who are NHC Tour members advance to Round 2, which is Breeders' Cup weekend. In that final, 450 players will duke it out, playing all 14 Breeders' Cup races. Two people will win a seat to the NHC, and the top 100 will get Tour points. Join the NHC Tour before any monthly Round 1 begins. If you join the tour, you could win up to 20 seats to the NHC in free contests. For only 50 bucks, it's the best deal in racing. If you sign up for the tour, use promo code Sport of Kings so we get credit. If you haven't signed up for our free contests with free DRFPPs, go to sportofkings.net right now. Thank you and good luck. And we have a special returning guest. He's Daily Racing Forum's national correspondent. He's been on site at Fairgrounds getting the latest scoop from the trainers themselves. He's Jay Privman. Jay, glad to have you back. Good to be back, Scott. How are you? I'm good. I've got uh, Louisiana Derby fever. I think we both do, Chris and I, and uh, hope you do as well. Yeah, and no, I enjoy being here. I've covered the race a number of times over the years, but not since 
2019, owing to the pandemic, uh, the last couple of years, uh, it was it was something that we couldn't cover. So it's really fun to be back here. It's a good race, and and it's a great city. Yeah, and the food, the food is the food is one of the things I remember the most. It it is memorable. <laughs> and uh, any um i i know chris is going to ask this question so <laughs> but i didn't have any other questions myself so uh is there anything that we should know about the track the way it's playing that kind of thing uh that you've noticed in the last few days i, I can't say anything other than it's it's it seems to be a little bit faster than than usual on thursday there was a track record set for a mile and a 16th and uh with 139 and change by shared sense and what was notable about that race was just how fast they went early. It was 22 and change and 45 and change for a two turn mile and a 16th race. And those are fractions that you rarely see uh, at fairgrounds. So, but I haven't, I can't say I've noticed anything in terms of inside or outside lanes or, you know, closers or speed or anything like that. And and generally speaking, I think this is a, a, a track that plays fair overall. I mean, it, it can have, uh biases but but not i don't think as often as you might find it elsewhere yeah yeah it, I, I i don't hear a lot of uh bias issues at fairgrounds chris uh you got any questions for jay before we get started well you may or may not have any information on this but i know the weather has been good but the turf course just because of the fact it's below sea level typically has some give in it um so is that kind of what you're anticipating? Uh, not not a gooey track like we've had sometimes, but um, probably still a little bit of give in the, in the course, or do you have any any knowledge if you walked it or you know anybody that's been out there? Yeah, I mean, there was a storm here, a you know, pretty significant one on Tuesday, but it's been beautiful since. And I would think with, you know, three plus days of ideal weather in terms of you know sun and a little bit of wind, I, I can't imagine there'd be much given it at all. Uh, so I would expect it to be firm. And if it's not firm, it would be you know, fractionally below that. So as firm as it can get probably for that track, it sounds like you think it's about as going to be about as quick as your or firm as, as, as you'll ever see it at fairgrounds. It should be, you know, I mean, obviously you're at, we're at the end of a long meet and, and it can get beat up. And, you know, you watch races from here and you see a lot of clods fly during the course of it. Um, but, <laughs> uh, you know, it, it's it's not as though there's going to be a deluge on Saturday that's going to make it some sort of a, you know, bottomless kind of course. That That's not happening. Yeah, that's a nice thing is that actually this is one of the few weekends we've had where we don't have any sort of uncertainty with the weather as far as I could see in the forecast. You're going to continue to have this great weather. So that makes it a little bit easier to handicap a day or two in advance for sure. Absolutely. Okay, well, let's get started with the pick five. It begins with the eighth race. It's the Tom Benson Memorial, a mile and 16th on turf, purse of 100,000 for Phillies and Mares, four-year-olds and up. And Jay, why don't you get us started? Yeah, th this to me was one of the more challenging races because I the obvious favorite to me is Hendy Woods, who is the morning line favorite. She does run well fresh, uh, and her 
form last year was was exemplary uh, compared to her rivals in here, running against the likes of Regal Glory uh, and finishing second to her, for instance, in Saratoga. So she looks solid. But you know, one of my biggest questions with her, though, and why I'm going to spread in this race is that you know Mark Cassie's had a just an okay meet here, and his stats off of the layoff are, are just very average. And you want better than average, obviously, when you're taking two to one in a nine horse field. So while, you know, I respect her and I think on form, she's the best horse. I, I, she's not a horse that I think you can really go to the mat with. And, you know, one horse here who really intrigues me is she can't sing who won the prep for this, the Alstall Memorial. And I think, so I find her to be a, a really appealing horse here. And, and from a, weighted standpoint of how I'm going to do the ticket, I, I would probably make her the one that I would get the best bang for the buck out of in terms of being an A-horse and uh, and hopefully being the better price of, of the ones that I'm going to use in here. So those are the two that, that I like best. You know, I think you could also sprinkle in the likes of, you know, perhaps Gam's Mission, who's also coming off of the layoff, but Cherie DeBose had a, a great meet here and obviously her form last year was, was really good as well. Uh, and, uh, you know, I, 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 she's to me a complete win candidate too. So it's, it's a, it's a tough race. I mean, I think you could use several in here, but those are the, for me, those are the, the best three. She can't sing. Certainly looks like she may have, uh, still some upside on the turf. She's run fast on the dirt and she seems to be somewhat surface neutral. Chris, what are you thinking? Well, two things. I, 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 everything Jay said, I would, I, I kind of agree with that. To me, Gam's Mission and Handy Woods are sort of the best two horses in the race, but they're both coming off layoffs for barns that aren't sensational off the bench, and probably both, um, you know, barns are targeting bigger races down the line. So, this is the time to beat those two, probably, if you're going to do it. The other thing is, doesn't seem to be much in the way of early pace at all in this race. Um, there really is nobody who wants to be on the lead that I can find. Probably the one with the most speed is on the outside, lovely ride. So I think just because there's no speed and that horse looks like the one that might just inherit the lead by default, that one has a, you know, some one to consider. But I'm going to go for a really big price in here because I think this might be the only race in the sequence that is kind of wide open. It could really chalk out, especially on the on the dirt races that we're going to talk about. So the horse I like at a price is the five Clara Peters. Um, full disclosure, my daughter's name is Clara, so there's always sort of a <laughs> subliminal bias towards horses whose names... Uh, are the same as your children or grandchildren. So, but I really do think this horse fits. She's not a, um, probably not as good as some of the other horses, but she's run races that are good enough to win in here. And her last race was one of these no chance trips that you can just toss. And she got claimed by one of the hotter barns in the country, Chris Hartman, who's done well claiming horses at the meet, especially in turf routes. I like the aggressive spot off the claim. This horse isn't 
necessarily making a big jump in class, actually has been in a stakes poorly, only beaten a length or so by a good horse, Saratoga. So a lot of positive, the, the jockey and rider, I mean, jockey and trainer have combined at a real high percentage as well. So a lot of positives for a horse that very well could go off at double digit odds, which is 10 to one in the morning line. It might even float up above that. And if it gets a good trip, I don't see why it couldn't be right there. And if the, you know, the favorites aren't fully cranked or don't get a good trip, uh, who knows, could be the winner. Well, uh, you stole my thunder, Chris, because I also like Clara Peters. Um, she fits on the numbers, the numbers that I'm looking at. She looks right there. She just ran a slightly better race than she's ever run based on the numbers I'm looking at. And she comes in for this trainer who is hitting at like 31%. And, you know, I, I like that she's in shortly after the claim, just ready to go, just ready to like run a big race. So she's my top pick. But I also like Gam's mission who was uh, a horse I liked a couple times last year. She showed some talent. She comes in fresh as a four-year-old, and she won off a layoff here last year, um, a similar layoff. And I'm kind of hoping for a higher than the morning line of seven to two. Not sure I'll get it. Jay, jump in if you have any anything else you want to offer on this race. No, I mean, I think we've actually covered it pretty thoroughly we've got a you know varied opinions and but i think we agree on who the the horses to beat are we just are all in agreement that from a value standpoint they're they're not that appealing and hopefully like you i think your point that you made about how this, this might be one of the few races where in the sequence where you might be able to get a price is is valid because some of the other races really look you know top heavy with chalk yeah, and the GAMS mission, I just realized, because you mentioned it earlier, Jay, Cherie DeVoe is hitting at 29%, which is, like, huge. So maybe she's trying to make a real big mark on this particular meet. Maybe that's um, reason to think that GAMS mission is going to come out flying. Although no, she's had a terrific meet. Why, yeah. And it's, it's probably the reason why you won't get a price on that horse. I, I'll be surprised. You know, she could buy. I wouldn't be surprised if she buys for favoritism with Handy Woods. Yeah, well, uh, if uh, if she's three to one, she might be the highest price in the sequence. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yes, that that's, <laughs> prob that's not a joke either. <laughs> All right, well, let's move to the ninth race and let's see if we can get some prices. Uh, the ninth race is the New Orleans Classic, a grade two, mile and eighth on dirt, purse of a half million dollars for four-year-olds and up. Chris, why don't you get us started? Yeah, it's hard to believe for a half million dollars you can only get six horses to enter, but I get it because there's so many of these races now with the uh, all the derby preps tend to be these super cards that also have an older horse, you know, purse race like this. There's just not enough horses to go around. But uh, that being said, I think maybe you could, I, I, I was trying to get a big price in here. I couldn't, I do think Olympiad is not the lock that many probably think he is. I think he's had some really dreams trips 
his last couple starts where he was able to stock a slow, an inferior horse on a slow pace. And he's never been a mile and an eighth, so this is maybe stretching his distance limitations a bit. Um, the problem is it's going to be hard to get any kind of price in this race unless you kind of get speculative. But, you know, there's a couple horses in here that I think could beat Olympiad on the square. And the one I'll lean towards the most is the one promise keeper. This is sort of the golden pattern that we've talked about many times on the pod. A four-year-old that was on the Triple Crown Trail, flashed some talent, maybe was pushed a little early. Um, something went wrong. They have the layoff. They come back as a four-year-old. Uh, they get the one race under their belt, and they're ready to you know, really um, run a career-best effort and that second start. And to me, Promise Keeper sort of checks all those boxes. Not only that, uh, his last race was a lot better than it looked. This is a horse that wants to be on or near the lead. It, it got left at the gate, kind of got kind of cut off right out of the gate, and it shuffled way back. And you could tell the horse wasn't comfortable. The rider wasn't comfortable. Um, the horse never really started running until the stretch, and it made a nice move and galloped out well. And I thought overall it was a really good effort. And I think um, a good rider switch to Gaff Leon here, draws the rail, and I think they're going to go. And I think Olympiad, you know, Alvarado's pretty patient. He's been, he, he stalked a really slow pace last time where Silver Prospector actually was on the lead, which is kind of mind boggling because that horse um, <laughs> was not a horse you'd expect to see on the lead. So that tells you how slow they were going. So I think they'll be comfortable stalking, especially trying to get that extra 16th of a mile on Olympiad and they'll go slow and promise keeper could wire the field. Uh, I think he's sitting on a big race and he has talent and um, I don't know what his price will be, but I think Olympiad will get bet down below that eight to five morning line. So maybe you get three to one on promise keeper. It seems like decent value and who knows, maybe he floats up a bit because I think there's another horse in here that'll take some money, but uh, I'll leave with that kind of hoping that um, promise keeper will show the promise that he's um, kind of hinted at in the past, this might be the race where he really um, puts on a show. Promise keeper three to one. And that sounds about right. Jay, what do you got? You know, I, I think that uh, Olympiad's going to get a dream trip in here. Uh, kind of like he got in his last couple races where he's going to sit off another horse. His promise keeper broke poorly last time, but he's usually, on or near the lead and i'd have to think you know he's he, after he knocked off the rust off the long layoff and in the razorback you'll you'll see him forwardly placed here unless for some reason he just breaks poorly again to me that this is sort of like same uh, church different pew to the uh the, the point that chris just made regarding a horse that was put on the triple crown trail and just wasn't good enough um, and I, I think Proxy is a really interesting horse. Uh, I talked to his trainer, Mike Stidham, about why he was off for so long. And he said that he was he had bone bruising. And they think that that was why he just wasn't performing up to uh, the expectations that they had. And you remember from last year, he was a pretty highly regarded early three-year-old. And they weren't getting the kind of performances out of him that they wanted, even though he ran a big second to Mandaloon in the Risen Star they put blinkers on him, and he told me that he thinks now in hindsight 
it was the bone bruising that was causing him to not run as uh, well as he could have. And they gave him a long time off. And granted, he beat really weak horses compared to what he's going to be up against tomorrow in his comeback race. But he loves this track. And I think there's still some blue sky for him for a horse who's only run eight times and now kind of has a new lease on life having been given the time to get over the issues that he had at three. And so I realize he's only going to be the second choice to the favorite Olympiad, but he's going to be the horse that I'm going to have more of my capital on uh, while with a healthy respect for Olympiad. I get it on promise keeper. I just don't know that he's good enough to take the early pressure from Olympiad and send him off the whole way. So I'm going to, I'm going to go with proxy here for, a mild upset, I guess you'd call it. I don't. I just don't see anything else in here that, for me at least, is is appealing enough. I just don't think, for instance, Chess Chief and and Happy American are, are this good. You know, Superstock had run well at Oakland early in the meet, and then he ran poorly last time. So I, I, it's hard for me to. And he won the Arkansas Derby last year, so it's hard for me to just sort of excuse that race as a well, he didn't like the track kind of excuse. Um, and he's never run at fairgrounds before. So there's not a lot of depth here. This is what happens when you've got the Saudi Cup and the Dubai World Cup this time of year. Races like this and the San Anita Handicap just suffer for it. Um, but I'm going to give a slight lean to proxy over uh, over Olympiad and a very clever second choice over favorite uh, <laughs> analysis. <laughs> well, yeah, you know, you got to play the hand you're dealt, right? Sometimes. All right. I, I actually, I'm with you, Chris. Um, hopefully we won't go five for five together in this, uh, on this card, but, uh, I'm also on promise keeper. He definitely, he had some trouble in that, uh, the beginning and he ran well and he was wide in the stretch. Um, I just, I think he's got a great shot. I also like Proxy. Um, I haven't watched that race. I'm, I'm going to watch that race like while you guys are talking the next um, during the next race. Um, but he his pattern looks good. He you know he he ran about as fast as he ever has run run like as a first time four year old. So he's got some upside. But I'm also going to use Chess Chief. He had some trouble in his last. He was bounced around in the Pegasus World Cup. Uh, he was bouncing around at the beginning, and then he ended out not running at all. I think he could come back strong here at Fairgrounds where he is 5 for 10 lifetime, and in fact, his only five wins have come at this track. And before the Pegasus World Cup, he was in the best form of his life. So if you toss that race, uh, he's a horse that you got to consider at 8-1. to one. Yeah, I, um, I took... Everything Jay said about Proxy, he is very similar, same exact pattern um, as Promise Keeper. The thing about him is he's by Tappet, and he kind of acted like a lot of those Tappets, they're mental goofballs. And, (laughs) you know, I thought a lot of his image, it was sort of mental immaturity. I mean, he was always all over the track, and he'd run in spots, and they tried the blinkers, and maybe he was... You know, bone bruising, I have a feeling almost every horse in training has bone bruises if you if they x-rayed them all. But uh, I think it was more mental immaturity than anything. And sometimes those goofball horses never change, but, you know, sometimes they do mature. So I and, and his comeback race, he did look a lot more professional and they did drop the blinkers. 
although he did lug out kind of all the way through the stretch. He was trying to get out, I thought. Um, so I'm still not quite convinced. And they pulled him up really quick after the wire. I don't know if that was by design or he pulled himself up or what. So I'm still a little on the fence on him from a mental standpoint. And I think from a race shape standpoint, he might be up against it a little bit unless, you know, they do heat up on the front and maybe promise keeper goes and they, and they get a little impatient with Olympiad. I, I just have a feeling that they're going to try to really milk the pace on Olympiad because usually when you're stretching out to a distance longer than they've ever gone, they're reluctant to try to, you know, to push the pace. So I do think it might be tough for anybody to come from out of it in here. But I think certainly Proxy's ready to run the best race of his life. I just don't know if he'll get the setup he needs. But it'll be real interesting to see if he runs, you know, professionally. Uh, and Because if he does, he's gotten over all those mental mistakes he was making as he was younger. He could have a pretty good campaign. Because like Jay said, he wasn't that far behind the mandolins and midnight bourbons in, in you know, last year or so, there's no reason why he couldn't be a good horse. Uh, I'll be real interested just to see how he behaves in the race. But I do think he's going to get over bet um, as the second choice, just because he is sort of the local horse. He is coming off a good performance. And everybody knows, you know, that um, he, he, he had flashed that potential at this track last year as well. I'm curious, Chris, did you notice that I, I was just watching the replay while you were talking and um, Proxy stumbled out of the gate. So he overcame a stumble. He got a little traffic and he won pretty much with a hand ride. So I think it was a pretty impressive race. Yeah, he, he definitely. It, it was exactly what you would hope for, uh, um, you know, off the bench in a, a, what was clearly a prep. So, I mean, from that, on that regard, yeah, but he, it, I did think he, he was still trying to get out in that stretch. I, I wish he had been a little bit straighter, um, but you know, maybe that, that they did have to ease him out around horses. He just kind of kept going to the right and the rider kept trying to get him to straighten out. And he did, he didn't go crazy or anything, but it just still looked like he wasn't quite where he wanted him to be, but. Uh, we'll see. I mean, he could be a good horse. I, I, I think he has a lot of, I, I like what Jay said. There's blue sky there for that horse. Yeah. And any, uh, any son of panty raid who is a really fast horse, um, you got, you got to give some extra consideration to. <laughs> I mean, yeah. He, not, well, not, not because of the name panty raid, <laughs> but, <laughs> but just because she was incredibly fast. One last note I'll say that's not it doesn't have anything to do with this race, but Promise Keeper, uh, he's been working pretty well, but in his last workout, I thought he looked pretty good, but he actually got outworked by another horse. And that other horse is Charge It, who's a three-year-old that's lightly raced, highly regarded. Jade probably real familiar with him on his derby trail stuff. Um, this horse, I watched some of his other workouts. He's just crushing every horse in the Baffert, I mean, the Baffert, <laughs> the Pletcher barn. Um, he's only won a maiden race, but man, um, uh, if you can get some future money down on this horse, it might be worth it. Cause if he can run in the afternoon, like he's been training, this horse is a real threat to do some damage on the triple crown trail. So remember that name, charge it. He, he's a good one. Yeah. You'll see him in eight days. He's going to run in the Florida Derby. 
All right. Well, uh, that'll be cool to see a second-time starter in the Florida Derby. That third time. He, he got beat in his debut, and then he won the, his second start. Oh, okay. But his debut was really impressive. He got beat in oh, yeah. the nose by <laughs> Volcanic in a really fast, you know, really good race. So he, he's so talent right from the start. Right. He did everything but win. Yeah. Yeah. All right. We'll move to the 10th race. It's the Muniz Memorial classic, a grade two mile and an eighth on turf purse of 300,000 for four year olds and up. And Jay, why don't you start us off? Well, you know, I'm just a really big fan of the outside horse Santine. I think he's got a chance to be one of the better horses in this division. Uh, I thought his race last year in the Hollywood Derby and only his third start was phenomenal. Uh, I saw that race at, at Del Mar. He had a terrible draw and no pace. and He just came with an unbelievable run to just miss. And then in the prep for this, the fairgrounds, you know, there was no pace on in the race and cavalry charge took advantage of it and led from start to finish. And I thought the horses who were closest to him, who went in reverse, you know, like uh, two Emmys, for instance, or 40 under had, you know, far less excuse out of the race than Santine did. And considering he's only had four runs, I think there's a lot of upside to this horse and he will have most of my capital in here. I have, I have, uh, you know, a lot of respect for the older Chad Brown horses in here, like Sacred Life and Devamani. But you know, we know what they are, and they're not going to be any better at this stage of their career than they are. Whereas I think there's definitely room for Santine to go forward from where he's been uh, already, and already he's really good. And I think he's got room to be better. Uh, of the two Chad Browns, I do think Sacred Life is a more reliable horse. Uh, you know, he, he ran in the Pegasus last time, which had a you know a good field, and he probably needed the the race before being at his best. Uh, you know, he's he's usually run later in the year. It was almost like that was an extension of his 2021 campaign, as opposed to the first start of this. Uh, of his 2022 campaign, um, but he's you know he's a consistent first or second and 15 out of 23 lifetime. But uh, I'm very bullish on the outside horse in here, Santine. I don't think he's going to be the third choice like he is on the morning line. But you know, as you guys know, a lot of times in races like this, if you can, uh, you know, if it's not the lead sequence of the, you can maybe get closer to that price than you would have if it's if, if it's the leadoff one and 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 people were seeing the betting. Santine was favored in his last race because a lot of people saw that, uh, that race at Del Mar and, uh, fell in love with him. Chris, what are you thinking? Yeah. And for good reason. I think that horse is a talented horse with upside. Um, I do think he needs them and he didn't run bad at all. That, that turf course, uh, we, we did that, that card, that late pick five on the pod and all the turf races just had crazy results. I, I just think that turf course was kind of quirky and some horses liked it and some didn't. Uh, and you got a lot of those running back in here. I think Santine was one maybe didn't like, he might've been in the middle. He, I don't think it helped him. I don't think it hurt him. He still ran pretty well, but um, you know, to me that was just a 
really weird uh, day on the turf. There's just big prices on every turf race. And one, you know, Calvary Charge won one of those races. I don't know if the pace was slow, but he definitely, um, I think it, the, the shape favored, I, I don't know. I just, like I said, I think it was a, a screwy turf course. Um, so I'm not high on cavalry charge. Um, I do think the, the Chad Brown horses are the ones to beat along with Santine. Those are the three best, but you know, it's a turf route. It's, and th those horses will be coming from out of it. And Santine drew an outside post. So these are the kind where you, you're a lot more likely to be able to get a price than in, in the dirt races. And um, I'm going to try for a, a kind of a, a real bomber in here. And that's the six horse Captivating Moon, who uh, is an interesting horse in that um, we've, we've had him uh, on multiple cards where they usually cross enter him. Um, last year, they would cross enter him every time they had a big card. And he would always scratch out of the turf race and run in the dirt, except for once. And then he actually won that day at a big price. This year, they've been keeping him on the turf. Uh, he he was on that crazy turf course last time. Didn't run very well, but that was off a, a pretty long layoff. Um, I think he probably needed the race. He's run well before at the fairgrounds. I really like the rider switch to Junior Alvarado. Um, he's a, a rider who, who's definitely his best on a closing route horse. Uh, he tends to struggle on turf courses that, that don't aren't very kind to front runners like a Gulfstream, but uh, at Belmont he always does well on the turf course, and I think Fairgrounds is a lot more like Belmont than Gulfstream, and he'll fit this horse really well. And I think second off the layoff with the rider switch, uh, this horse's best races are probably in the ballpark for winning this race if it if it can get a trip. So I'm going to take a shot at a real big price with the six horse Captivating Moon. Yeah, it's interesting. The um, if you look at the racing form slash time form, Cavalry Charge got some really fast early pace numbers, and uh, the racing flow people say that that was a closer biased track. So, so you could upgrade Cavalry Charge's uh, effort on 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 that race. I think. In the meantime, I this was the toughest race for me. And, um, I, I completely wimped out. So you can just toss this horse. Uh, I like Dave Amani. Uh, he, you know, he's getting a, a little bit of a weight break. He's only carrying 118. He's second off a layoff. He's second off a year layoff. And last year he was second off layoff and he won the, the race that he came back in at the distance. Um, maybe he goes off a slightly higher price than, five to two, maybe Santine, you know, gets bet a little bit more than him because there's a lot of love for Santine. I, I don't know anybody who doesn't love Santine. So, um, uh, but I, I certainly, I, I think almost any horse can win this race. Uh, you know, I'm kind of, I'm a little, I'm a little bit interested, maybe throwing in cavalry charge just in case, because, uh, you know, maybe he is a little bit freaky. If you, if you look at, look at those time form pace numbers in the DRF, uh, PPs, 
and it just looks like uh, he ran a bang-up race. Yeah, but I again, I think that course was really more yielding. It doesn't. It was. I think it was said they said it was firm, but it was playing like a yielding course. I thought, and if you look at Cavalry Charge, his best races are on the, the gooey going. So, I think the track moved him up. It was a really impressive performance, but I want to see him do it on a, a firmer course. And I, I just think they had it mislabeled. Um, just because if you look at all the results, it was there was just a, a really screwy track. So I, I, I'm a little bit leery of Cavalry Charge. Plus, he picks up weight. Yeah, that and that is uh, that is a, a bit of a drawback. Tough race, it's, tough race. Yeah, it is. It was interesting that Rosario was on Devmania because I think Sacred Life's clearly the better of the two. Um, but you know, Rosario uh, could close the gap between those two being riding Devmania. So I, I don't like this. Is this is a race that's a little it's definitely interesting there's not going to be a horse that's three to five or four to five at least in this one um so even if you know, I, like jay said santine even if he goes off say they bet him down to second choice in here and he's five to two or something in the picks he you might get uh, you know he might be a little higher than that in the in the horizontal plays and you got to get some kind of price in one of these turf races or, or it's gonna be a really a bad payout, I think, on the dirt because I have some speculative horses in these dirt races, but you know the favorites look pretty strong on the tail end of this pick five. Uh, also, one thing I'll note about Captivating Moon, which was a little bit of a turnoff, uh, I was interested in him second off a layoff, but um, the trainer Chris Block doesn't have very good numbers second off a layoff. They're significantly better third off the layoff. And because because he was off for so long, I think he might need three races to get into the groove. So that that was my well, main reason for dissing him. Yeah. Well, let's hope he, he only needs two. But <laughs> you can, I mean, he's certainly not the most likely winner of the race. <laughs> hey, and he's fifteen to one. He's fifteen to one. I'm not gonna I'm yeah. not gonna convince you. You know, I'm not gonna say and he'll probably go off. Yeah. Yeah, you, you don't you don't want to be like like oh he he only hits a ten percent second off a layoff. Well, if he hits a ten percent with a fifteen to one, you're 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 just gonna be saying oh well I, he still only hits a ten percent, but he just won with a fifteen to one. Yeah, and he was fifty six to one in pretty much the same kind of field last time, so he's gonna be a lot higher than fifteen to one at post time. All right, let's go to the 11th race. It's the Fairgrounds Oaks, grade two, mile 16th on dirt, purse of 400,000 for three-year-old fillies. And Chris, your turn to get us going. Well, you know, Echo Zulu was the dominant two-year-old filly last year. Um, she'll be, uh, you know, at least probably the highest she could go off in this race is one to five. So, and you just have to ask yourself, is she invincible? You know, we talk a lot about these three-year-old races with the Colts, how the Colts typically really progress from two to three. Even the better Colts, you'll see that, you know, they really do get much faster as three-year-olds and two-year-olds. That that happens sometimes with the Phillies, but not nearly as consistently. They, in general, develop um, earlier, so there's not as much improvement. 
in general from two to three, but also some of the the better two-year-old fillies often are just precocious and don't develop at all going forward. So the big question with Echo Zulu is, you know, is she one of those, you know, really precocious two-year-olds that don't really develop or is she going to continue to get better? Because it'll be scary for the division if she's one that continues to get better. Um, you know, that, and we'll kind of see here, Ashmussen doesn't necessarily, you know, have, I, I can't believe he's going to have her completely cranked up, but you know, she doesn't necessarily have to run her best to win in here. And she seems like, like Olympiad did before and how the favorite in the next race is going to look too, like the controlling speed, which is always a big advantage on the dirt. She's got Rosario. I mean, there's just a lot of reasons to think, you know, she's going to be tough to beat, but there is that question mark about how cranked she'll be for this. And did she physically, um, develop from two to three her workouts haven't been like blow you away workouts coming into this race so um and whereas as a two-year-old everybody was you know like their jaws were dropping when they were watching her workout so um i'm willing to maybe take a shot against her because if you are going to beat her this would be the time to do it if she is going to be um you know continue to get better and i'm going to take the six horse hidden connection kind of a similar horse uh she may may or may not develop but she was very fast at two not as good as echo zulu but you know probably as good as anybody other than echo zulu she did not run well in the breeders cup but that you know that for the two-year-old fillies shipping from the east to to california in the breeders cup that is not unusual at all for them to run clunkers uh echo zulu was in the same position but Asmussen like sends them out a month early to get acclimated and hidden connection didn't get that benefit of that. So she broke poorly and didn't really run well. I'll forgive her for that one. Her comeback race wasn't great, but they had to kind of use her from an outside post to get position. And then the, she was sort of stalking a horse that pulled up on the backside and it kind of turned the race into a goofy race and, not sure the horse or the rider really knew what to do when that horse all of a sudden pulled up. She kind of looked like she was still going to win turning for home, but she got a little tired, I think, or or lost focus because she really galloped out pretty well. Um, so I'm going to forgive her last two starts and and think, you know, this is the time where she's going to run big. And if she has progressed at all from two to three, she looks like she's the one that might be able to pull the upset. So. I'm going to go with the six horse hidden connection. Not only that, but she shows a 59 one five furlong work since that last race. Jay, where are you at on this race? Yeah, I mean, I obviously Echo Zulu is the horse to beat. And, you know, I'll have, I'm going to treat her mostly as a bingo free space with one exception. And I'll tell you that in a second. My, you know, there's not a whole lot of creativity with Echo Zulu. The, the one thing that I'll say, in her favor regarding coming off the layoff here is that there's Asmussen's got options with a horse like this. He certainly could wait and run her, you know, a month from now at Keeneland, for instance, or he could have brought her back in something at Oakland. And I just don't think she's going to would be in this race at this time. If she wasn't fully cranked up to run, you know, as, as close to as good as she can run as she can um, because of the other options that he has. Uh, so I'm expecting her to run extremely well. 
Uh, I respect Chris's pick. I actually picked her in the Breeders' Cup last year, and I was I was kind of disappointed in her race that day. And while the points Chris made about her, Rachel Alexander, I think are valid. You know, my concern with her is that I don't know if she's moved forward from two to three. And I remember last year she was really a brilliant workhorse, and I'd seen tape of some of her breezes at Churchill Downs leading up to both the Pocahontas and then when she came out to the Breeders' Cup. And I remember before her comeback race in Rachel Alexandra, Brett Calhoun said that he didn't think she was training quite as well as she had them. He's been more encouraged by her works lately, but I just don't know if she's gotten back to that point. To me, the interesting horse in here is, is Pletcher's horse, Favor, who's going to be stretching out for the first time, going to be running in a stake for the first time. But that's why you're going to get, I think, a square price on her in here. Uh, and I think she's based on the fact that she's coming out of one turn races and has shown contending speed. I, I think she's going to get that kind of classic stalking trip that if Echo Zulu for some reason can't see it out and isn't quite as uh, up, up to her best, she might be in position to be the, the next likeliest winner. Um, so I'm going to be mostly in on Echo Zulu as a, as a single, but I am going to use favor as my backup in here and, and certainly hope that, you know, she can beat her because I'll, I'll be using her with every main contender that I like in the other four races. Um, I, you know, I, I, I wish I liked her even more. I wish I liked her, you know, bullishly to beat Echo Zulu because then I, you know, I'd upgrade her and use her even more strongly. I, I think she's an intriguing horse, but I don't, you know, she's going to have to really step up, but I think she's of the other horses in here, other than Echo Zulu, she to me is, is the most appealing alternative. Uh, I'm with Chris now three times. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm also on hidden connection who, um, uh, for all the reasons that Chris mentioned, uh, you know, she's basically, she's circling back to that two-year-old form, which was very close in quality to Echo Zulu, at least, you know, her two big, her, her first two races were, were very big. She's circling back. And I think she really had legitimate excuses in the last race with the horse pulling up, uh, three excuses, the horse pulling up the, uh, the having to gun it like she's, you know, she found herself on the lead. And I, I think that was the first time she was there that early. So she had to gun it. I think she'll be much more comfortable just being laying off of Echo Zulu. So, uh, so I, I like her chances, but I also like Turner Luce's chances. She had a little traffic and still ran big in her dirt debut. Um, and according to Brad Cox, I read this in the racing forum. He he said that she was eighty to ninety percent in that last race, and this is her second off a layoff. And she's got you know one really nice win. She had a little traffic. She overcame it. She galloped out well. Um, you know, she's probably not as high as six to one, but um, I, I I would take a shot. I would take a shot at this pick five, uh, blowing off Echo Zulu and using Hidden Connection and Turner Loose only. 
Yeah, you might get six to one on Turner Loose because Echo Zulu could be one to nine in here. So they could all be six to one or higher uh, after her in this race. Because she and in the pick five or the pick four, whatever, she's going to be in you know, 95% of the money is going to flow through her. So if if you can beat her, you definitely can get um, some value in this race. So, you know, if a horse like favored Jay's horse, which I kind of like, uh, I like his thinking there. Um, you know, she's the one probably has the most upside in the race. Or, you know, like Scott, second time dirt with Turner loose. Maybe wasn't fully cranked last time. You know, all those options. If they're going to beat Echo Zulu, if she really is going to, you know, dominate again as a three-year-old like she is a two-year-old, this would be your best chance of beating her, I think, and be in this race. Well, it sounds like Jay doesn't have anything more to add. You uh, were pretty uh, thorough in your analysis. So we'll go to the final race, the Louisiana Derby. Grade two, mile and three sixteenths on dirt. Purse of a million dollars for three-year-olds. And Jay, where are you at here? Well, you know, the, the two races that we've seen in this series leading up to this, pace was certainly the, the factor in in success and failure and the Lecomte, the opening half was in 47.01 and it was you know a really fast pace and uh epicenter just got nailed by call me midnight but i think the circumstances favored call me midnight that day you know then in the risen star epicenter got away with an opening half that was nearly a full second slower no granted it was a slightly longer distance but still i think a pretty significant pace difference and one what i consider to be from a depth of quality standpoint the best field we've seen in a derby prep so far because i think that horses like smile happy and zandon are both among the short list of top contenders for this year's derby along with epicenter so i think he's coming out of a really strong race the wild card to me in here is going to be zozos and not from a, a win standpoint, at least for me, because I think it's a big ask in his third start to run against horses of this caliber. But he's he's the wild card from a pace standpoint because he's drawn inside of Epicenter. He does have good speed. I mean, we saw it in the sprint. He was not that far off a pretty fast pace when when winning. And then last time it was a slower pace going two turns, and, and he was right on top of it. But considering where he's drawn, I think he's got to go. And if they go and are sane about it, you know, maybe they run one, two around the track the whole way. But if they go, you know, too fast early, then maybe you take just enough starch out of epicenter that somebody can, can beat him. I don't think the race comes up good for Zozos to be that one because of where he is. Uh, but to me, the intriguing horse in here is Galt, who was rushed off his feet in the Holy Bull, and I don't think that served him any favors. Uh, and then, obviously, in the Fountain of Youth, when the accident happened, you know, that completely eliminated him. But in watching the tape of that race repeatedly, it, to me, he was moving in tandem at the time of the incident with the horse who ended up finishing third. And he could have possibly been third or maybe fourth in the race. And he's just... I think a horse is going to fall through the cracks from a price standpoint in here. And he's got 
I think races to that that could be good enough if the circumstances allow for it. Um, you know, his maiden win, he got a really slow number, but he overcame a, a dawdling pace, and I think the pace is what contributed to the to the poor number in here. But he's to me sort of the interesting weirdo horse in here. Um, you know, call me midnight. I was I was kind of against in the Lecompte. I just thought he didn't have as much of an excuse in the Kentucky Jockey Club as other people did, but I was wrong. Uh, but I do think he benefited from an extremely beneficial pace in there. And I don't know that going out to a mile and an eighth that, or excuse me, a mile and three sixteenths that he's going to be as good. A lot of times horses like this are, are mile to mile and a sixteenth horses who want to get, we see it in grass racing a lot, right? Where you see those milers who just want a fast pace into it. And they blast home and then you stretch them out to a mile and an eighth or a mile and a quarter. You don't get that same kind of kick. And, I, and that's my instinct with him. So I think Epicenter is, is the obvious horse to beat in here. And, and the weirdo upsetter for me is, is Galt. Um, Rattle and Roll is going to take some play in here. But I just don't know if he's this good. Uh, I, I, he didn't really have a, a troubled trip in the Fountain of Youth. He got through in that incident, and it didn't bother him. Now, his trainer, Kenny McPeak, had said beforehand he was going to need a race. So you'd certainly expect him to move forward off of that. But I thought the breeders futurity was just an okay race. And I don't know how much progress this, this horse has made from that. I, I wouldn't talk anybody off him if they liked him because, you know, he certainly has the capability of running a better race than he did in his comeback, but I'm not sure he's this good. And, and I don't think he's going to be to me, he and Galt are similar. And I think Galt's going to be a bigger price. So that's why golf to me is a more appealing alternative to the favorite. So it's, it, it's epicenter mostly for me and then golf. Uh, and, and after that to me, you know, uh, I think others are going to be having to run the race of their life to win. Okay. <clears throat> Galt, who is Galt? <laughs> yeah. Question. <I> have. <laughs> uh, Chris, what are you thinking in this race? Well, I, I agree with a lot of what I heard Jay say. I mean, Epicenter is the one to beat. He did uh, kind of get a, a real nice trip last time. And the time before that, when he, he was pushed some, you know, he did get nailed at the wire. So he's certainly not invincible. But we, we talk about this all the time. Steve Asmussen, three-year-olds, they just don't regress. They tend to just continually, you know, steadily get better with every start so i would expect him to run well and he certainly has a good rider and trainer so he's the one to beat sozos is kind of i think the wise guy horse that everyone's going to be on i can't believe it eight to one morning line it's kind of silly but um i i think he's probably going to be a strong second choice in here certainly has the upside and uh he's been training well um so i might have a little bit more respect for him than Jay, but I do think it's a big ask for him to step up. And um, I, I did hear a, a short interview with Brad Cox. I don't know if Jay's talked with him or not, but he did indicate from that inside post they were going to come away running is the way he said it. So um, I, I think they that the scenario that Jay sort of laid out could happen, you know, maybe it does unfold that way, which then makes the race pretty interesting. Um, uh, and I, I do kind of 
want to find somebody in here to to be the big price horse. Uh, I've got a few other things I could add in, but I'm going to pick one sort of totally off the radar, and that's the five Kapuna, who uh, he's trained by Brent Calhoun, and his horses tend to really tout themselves in the morning, uh, in the mornings when they're going to run big races in the afternoon at, in Louisiana. And we've seen him do this before. Um, uh, I know there's been a few times in the past where Scott and I have been on some of his horses who come in off of some really good workouts and then they, they just by run my to standards. those works. And by my standards is the one kind of the poster child for that. Kapuna to me reminds me a lot of by my standards. Um, and he's been working really well. He's showed some talent. Um, and I think he could be sitting on a really big race. He might get a really good trip in here. And, um, you know, he's got to, like Jay say, run the race of his life to win. But he might rip, just totally trip out if uh, Zozos and Epicenter do. And Pioneer of Medina is the other one, could be a pace factor. If those three, um, you know, do at least make it a solid early pace and that a little bit extra distance gets to them uh, late, I think Kapuna could be the one that gets first run on everybody and could be completely overlooked at the window. So I'm willing to take a flyer on this horse. Again, it's kind of like some of the other long shots I've been touting today. Uh, they're not anywhere near the most likely winners, but um, they're, they're as good as most of the other alternatives to the favorites and they'll be big prices. Right. I'm going to, I'm actually going to go with rattle and roll. He's a horse that I really liked coming out of his maiden victory. And then he, he exploded in the breeders futurity. Um, and I guess he got a little bit injured after that. So he was off for a while, but he was working great coming into this last race. Um, I used him um, despite Chris and some, some of our listeners tweeting saying, don't do it, don't do it. <laughs> but I, I, all I did was use them. I didn't single them or anything. Um, I watched that last race and he, you know, he was, uh, uh, I didn't type up my, I didn't type up the comments. So I'm going to, I'm going to look it up on formulator. Um, I, I didn't type it in my, in my comments here. But um, it, he had an inside trip, but it looked very preppy. He managed to hit some traffic in the stretch. I think that, you know, the, clearly he was working well, and but they did not want to, like, they did not want to squeeze the lemon dry. They just wanted to get a race into him. Since then, he ran a 58-4 and four bullet work at Gulfstream, which would be great if DRF, uh, with their sort of Gulfstream card, also threw in, you know, uh, horses like Rattle and Roll who are running, you know, working there. So he's, they've got a workout report. Mike Welsh is going to like, he's either going to score, he's either going to bet against this horse or he's going to, he's going to bet it all on him in this race because nobody else has the report. Um, I, I just, you know, I was really impressed with this first race. And I think uh, out of Connect, who's by Curlin, I think he's just going to relish the mile and three sixteenths. I think, you know, if there's any pace in this race whatsoever, today's go time for rattle and roll. And, you know, he, he, he did run that big race as a, as a two-year-old 
and he's been developing for six months since then. So I think this could be the time. And if it's, if it's not this time, it will be the next time. Um, you know, potentially he could come back in a, in in three weeks, I guess because we're six weeks behind, right? So uh, he could come back in three weeks and still run a big race. So I, I think he's a he's a potential factor. Just having seen him a couple of times run big races, I am a, a big rattle and roll fan. Yeah, you are. You've always been a lot bigger fan of that horse than I have been. I thought his big race was kind of a setup race. I did. If you want a clock report, I watched his workout and um, he worked with Smile Happy. He got outworked pretty badly by Smile Happy, but Smile Happy is a really good horse. Um, he was kind of washy too. I, I wasn't that impressed with his workout. The time was fast, but um, I think he was trying pretty hard, a lot harder than Smile Happy and Smile Happy kind of put him away. So I wasn't that impressed with his workout. Um, but, you know, I'm supposed to like this horse second off a layoff. Um, I just can't get behind him. I just, I have not, I don't like the workout. I don't like his best race, I think, is dressed up. Um, but he could run well in here. Maybe he gets a setup. He definitely needs a setup to win. Maybe he gets it. But, you know, you and I have always had a difference of opinion on this horse. So you were right um, in that the day he won, I think you picked him. Um I didn't like him, but I thought that was a race where it completely fell apart, and that's why he won. So you were right, but I think maybe I was right about the horse. We'll see going forward. You know, if he is as talented as you think he is, we ought to see him run a big race in here. Um, I'm just not convinced. Fair enough. Well, that's why they run the race, and I, I do exactly. think Epicenter has a great has a great shot. So, um, so if I if I play the pick five, which I think I'm leaning toward. I will have some sort of uh, some sort of bet where Epicenter is on the ticket and uh, not as much chalk uh, in the other legs. Anything else to add on this one, Jay? No, I mean, I think we've covered it. I think we all are in agreement that, you know, the line is going to change significantly, you know, the, or the betting is going to change significantly from the morning line. They just have the wrong second choice in Pioneer of Medina, who none of us like. Um, you know, he's going to maybe be the sixth choice in the race. Uh, so I think anybody who's going to gamble on this race needs to do their own line and take that into consideration and know that you're not going to get eight to one on Zozos, for instance. Um, he's he's going to be half that. Uh, and, you know, and, and Brattle and Roll and Galt might come down a little bit and Pioneer Medina is going to be, you know, at least twice, I think, his morning line. And those are things I think people need to keep in mind. You know, the horse that, uh, uh, you know, Kapuna that, that you mentioned, uh, Chris, uh, you know, I think that's a solid right number on him. And I think your uh, comparison of him to, uh, by my standards is, is really a, an, an apt one. Um, he has a very similar look to, in terms of experience, uh, in terms of recent form, uh, in terms of works coming into the race, it's it's a, it's a very similar situation to uh, to by my standards. So I I thought you made really good points about him. The only reason I'm I I, I was very interested in Kapuna as well for the same reasons that Chris was. I just watched the race and the difference between him and by my standards is that when by my standards was running he had won his last race pretty easily 
I think right. he had just run a, a maiden race and he won it pretty easily. And then he and then he started working out like lights out, whereas Kapuna was pretty much all out and uh, couldn't make much headway in the stretch in that last race. But uh, that keep was in mind, though, that the horse. Cyber, yeah. Say, yeah, Cyberknife is going to be one of the top choices in the Arkansas Derby next week. And it's he's kind of a head case. But, you know, Brad Cox thinks the horse, you know, once the light bulb goes on, is going to really step forward. Um, they they think very highly of him, so just keep that in mind. Yeah, he would probably have been the second choice in here if he were entered. He's probably the best horse in the Cox stable, although Zozos is, is the other one that and between the two of them. So that race was, you know, he ran second, but if if uh, by my standards had been running against a horse of the caliber of cyber knife in that race he won he probably wouldn't have won that i mean i, I mean it's just not a i think by my centers had won was an allowance race or a maiden race it might have been it might have been a maiden race so yeah i, I don't I remember kind of feel exactly like it was maiden. but i mean i don't i i think kapuna's last race was pretty good it certainly wasn't good enough to win this race he's gonna have to move forward off that but just the way he's been working it's just when Calhoun horses work like that in Louisiana, they usually, you know, improve. Um, and so we'll see. I mean, it's speculative for sure. Um, uh, and in the, just one thing I'll say about Pioneer Medina, the reason I, I don't think he's a bad horse is just, I, I think he's going to get the same trip he had last time. And he was just no, he just wasn't in the same league as Epicenter. So I don't see how he's going to turn the tables on him in here. That's why, I just don't see a scenario where he can win. Um, that That's why I don't like him. Not necessarily that he's not a good horse. Just it doesn't seem like there's any race shape that favors him. Right. Okay. Well, do you guys have any other plays on the card? I know I didn't have a chance to look at any other race. I haven't, Jay? I, I haven't done I haven't done the, the the work on the rest of the card yet. I just wanted to dive in on this and uh, uh, you know and, and work backwards from there. <laughs> it's hard enough to get through these five races before the pod. Right? So <laughs> I, I I I rarely expect people to to have plays, but Chris often does have plays. So you got any for us? I, I do have one. Yeah, I've got one. Just the the stakes race before the sequence. It's not the the race before the but the sixth race. It's a turf sprint, uh, twelve horse field with some AEs. There's a the twelve horse Yankee seven is eight to one in the morning line. It's just a consistent sprinter with tactical speed, but that can finish. And um, I, there's no reason why it can't win. And you might get something like eight to one in this big field. So I think that horse at that price would definitely be playable. So that's Yankee seven. He's the 12 horse in race six, the Costa rising stakes going five and a half furlongs on the turf. That would be the spot play I had. And there's some other races earlier on the card I like, but they're, you know, they weren't stakes races. So um, that's the one I'll tout for, uh, for the listeners if anybody's playing in the early races. Chris is due to hit a spot play. It's been a little while. Actually hit one. Yeah, I actually hit one sort of a spot play last week. Uh, We covered that first leg of the pick six, and I had the winner kind of at the end of the pod. 
You, in fact, you did. You, you had that. So, uh, so you know, you're on a hot streak. The hot streak fallacy. <laughs> yes, yes. The, the, the spot play hot streak. We'll see if we can go for two in a row. All right. Well, uh, uh, before we go, I'd like to thank our guest, Jay Privman. Jay, thanks for joining us today. No, my pleasure, Scott and Chris. It's always good being with you guys. All right. Well, let's and thanks we... for all the coverage. Yeah, all the coverage you have of the Triple Crown Trail. I'm always look forward to that. Um, and all the coverage you're giving for the races at the fairgrounds this week. Boy, you've been pretty prolific the last few days. Oh, thanks, Chris. Yeah, no, it's uh, I enjoy doing it. And I appreciate you saying that. Yeah, it's uh, it's good to see you there. And uh, you know, you and Marcus Hirsch are both great writers. So uh, either either one of you guys covering these races uh, is really helpful. Thank you. Yeah, no, he's uh, he's a little further afield this weekend, so I uh, <laughs> I drew in. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's 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 got stories on uh, Dubai races and fairgrounds races. Uh, he's living a double life right now. Yeah, and he's but over he's there in for Dubai, Dubai, right, Jay? Yeah, he is. He's over there. Yeah, because he was uh, drooling over the workout he saw with Life Is Good. You know, I think he was ready to put wings on that horse after watching him work. <laughs> yeah, I guess if you've never seen him before, you might react that way. If you've seen him before, it's like, oh, that's him. Because <laughs> <laughs> he was that way as a three-year-old. Uh, you know, oh, I know. I, know. I, I saw him uh, work out before the, the uh, Jackie's Warrior race, and I was like, no way is Jackie's Warrior beating that horse. Yeah. And Jackie's Warrior beat him, but he, but he, but he hasn't lost since. Or Mike Smith. No, he, Smith beat him. I'm not sure <laughs> in that race. Um, but yeah, I thought that was a highlight of the Breeders' Cup. Just his awesome performance. I mean, after that, I was, I, I was just, he was dazzling in that race. I thought so. Um, that was the only time I've got to see him live was at the Breeders' Cup this year. But he's definitely kind of a freaky horse. But we'll see if he can get the mile and a quarter. It'll be interesting. Okay, that will conclude show number 165 of the Sport of Kings Pod. Good luck at fairgrounds, and please enjoy the Brooklyn Boogaloo Blowout. I'll see you on Sports Cheers. Giddy up. <laughs>